Why isn't the delete button working? What's going uh, on here? Wow, this, this is cool. This is, is supposed to work completely. Completely. Wow, this is crazy. Oh, nice. Who this is something gives a shit? Sure. This is oh, unbelievable. I see. You I know see. what? Buck Fim. Hey. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And welcome to our fifth episode of Buck Fim. Today we have a very special guest online, one who I've worked with in the past, back in their Imagine It days. I'm really pumped to have him on. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to Carl Storms, a technical solutions lead for BIMTRAC. Thanks for joining us, Carl. Happy to be here, Dennis. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you on board. I feel like I haven't talked to you in, in ages. So, uh, it does seem like it. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So, uh, Carl, tell me a bit about yourself. I mean, uh, for our viewers anyway. I mean, I, we see you out there quite a bit. <laughs> sure. Um, as uh, Dennis me mentioned, we did work together back in our Imagine It days. Um, it, it does seem like forever ago the way we've all been spending time at home these days. Uh, I am an architectural technologist by trade, but I've done so many different things over the course of my career in the AEC industry, you know, commercial and residential architecture. I spent some time on the GC side. Uh, I, I spent some time working for a custom millwork factory where we built large uh, custom doors. And that was a really cool job because in the morning I would design it and in the afternoon I would go out and load the wood on the big uh, five axis CNC and then run it. Oh. Um, a big, a big departure from, you know, a billion dollar hospital where you spend four years working on the same thing. Oh yeah. Um, For sure. So, so that, that was certainly some really cool stuff. And, and of course, some of you may have seen me out there from, from my blog, the, the BIM side or the other podcasts that I'm on with the, uh, BIM thoughts or blueprints or the built Academy podcast. I, I certainly like to keep busy. That's for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we've, I've been following your BIM site account for a while and I love the content that comes out of there. So I guess that leads me into my next question. Like, you know, this year was kind of crazy. <laughs> let's, let's face it. The past, the past full year has been insane. And so much so that it, it has affected all the, the conferences that we attend. Like, I mean, Autodesk University and Built, and, you know, I just want to say, you know, sorry, Built, that I didn't make it out that year at Scottsdale. I really wanted to be out there to do that presentation on Dynamo. But uh, thank you to Zach Cron for covering me on that one. That was great. But, uh, but yeah, so with, with Autodesk University being digital, like, what, what were your thoughts on it? Like, I personally, I felt it was fairly well run. It, it was certainly different. I mean... I think we've discussed this uh, many times over the course of the year, and we've all kind of come to realize that virtual is is never going to replace in live, oh, yeah. you know, conference events. Yeah. But I think we're we're likely going to see some sort of of hybrid coming up to give people sort of both options, because even when we could all go to conferences and, and attend, there was always people that couldn't make it for whatever reason. Yep. You know, they have family commitments. Uh, the company can only send one of the two from the BIM team or what have you. So I think the idea of having a virtual option for those that, that can't make it, similar to what uh, AU started to do in the past with their AU online, where the conference events were available online and some of the the key things like the the keynotes and the addresses were available to stream for anyone yeah yeah so it's funny because uh, yeah i would say that you know applying for those presentations it's always nerve-wracking because you submit like 20 to 25 of them and 
hope that not all 25 of them get accepted. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, you know, that's certainly one of the things that kind of changed with an all digital format. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just it was just different. Um, not not different. Good, not different. Bad, just different. Yeah. Uh, the session that I did this year at AU was completely re-recorded. Well, not re-recorded, pre-recorded. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a month before they have a complete uh, recording team, you dial in, They it's like a full produced event. You go through the whole session, um, but it's just different than getting the feedback. And even if there's not questions during the session, it's looking at people, you know, if you have a joke, a gauging reaction. Um, and I also find that the people tend to to slow you down, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because yep. when there's no interaction, you plan for 60 minutes and, you just give her, yeah. you, you sort of finish up earlier. So it definitely made a difference. And I know they try with their um, live Q&A session. So you'd record a session and then sometime during AU week, you would have an hour long Zoom type meeting. I don't think it was actually Zoom they used yeah. uh, where people could dial in and sort of give you questions. But I think for the most part that confused people because a lot of times they thought that was the actual live session and they were expecting to see the session and it was really just a Q&A. So um, I think it was a good idea. I think if it happened again, people might understand it better. But for the first run, um, it didn't go as well as planned, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it was super crazy. This year I got accepted for a theater talk um, and it was pretty shocking to see because they, they sent an entire media kit to my front door. And the whole thing was like green screens and cams and all this stuff. And I was moving around furniture in my living room to make this like quasi studio. And it was an experience. It really was. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what's going to happen moving forward with the different events. But, um, yeah, I want to take a step aside here. And, you know, you made a really awesome shift to a a great company called BIMTRACK. So for, the, for those of the people who are on the line who don't know what uh, BIMTRACK is, um, Carl, are you able to shed a little light on uh, BIMTRACK itself? I can do that. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so I've been at BIMTRACK for just a little over a year now. And, and essentially BIMTRACK is is the product that the company is actually BIM1 that, that developed the, the add-in. And what BIMTRACK does is it's a coordination tool that tracks issues and we always say it's an issue tracking tool but the one thing to keep in mind is issues really can be anything they don't have to be that hole in the drywall or that missing column or you know that someone didn't check a box on, on a form it really can be pretty much anything that you want it to be and so that's what we try to do at bim tracks so we try to give you a platform that ties into your tool of choice you know we have several integrations and add-ins whether it's navisworks or revit or archicad or tecla structures or enscape or power bi that allows you to do your typical workflow but have a way to communicate to assign and to view your information that you have in place so you always have access to the issues doing air quotes here mm -hmm. um, that you need to address and whether you're using this from pre-design through pre-construction construction and we have people that are using it through facilities management and handover where an issue will be a piece of equipment that has you know the maintenance log the, the okay. pdf of the information all of that in place so we sort of cover that that entire gamut of the spectrum that's awesome. Yeah, I've had the opportunity to play around with it with uh, with a few of our projects. It, it seems like the uh, construction crews are really starting to take it on board, and especially when it comes to you know clash meetings and accountability. It's been you know a very very quick tool. 
So, I mean, like, what areas are you seeing this pop in? I think you touched base on it briefly there, but what what areas of the industry is BIMTRAC really helping out on? Yeah, for sure. You mentioned general contractors, GC. That's sort of the obvious fit, and that's where we got sort of the, the quick wins and the early adoption. Uh, and I think what we're seeing now is right after you get into the general contractors that are using it for you know, tracking issues on a construction project is we have the, the architects and the engineers that are kind of battling from month to month to see who's sort of second to, to the general contractor for, for usage. And then we have sort of the mechanicals, then we get into the subtrades, the owners. Um, as I mentioned, we do sort of touch the entire gamut, but it really is sort of the general contractors and the architects and the engineers that are, are the bulk of the users. Yep. And, and I think what we really are noticing is that when people are invited to a project, uh, general contractor says, hey, we're using BIM track to track our issues, come, come and play in our sandbox, is that once people use it, they, under, they sort of see all the different things, and we get a lot of people that start using it after the fact as an internal project. They'll get their own licenses, and they'll use it for you know, drawing review. They'll use it for task management um, on, on the internal side, especially with the, the MEP uh, side, because they have such different workflows and things that they do you know, when they're doing prefab and fabrication on their own side, yep. but they, they really like the way it interacts with their, their software, Brevet, Navisworks, uh, and they'd use it for their internal workflow. So that's kind of like the new stream we're seeing, that and owners. Uh, owners love to own their data. So yeah. by being the ones that have access to it and that are, that are requesting people to use it, they get they get a lot more vision into the projects that's great and uh, i noticed that like one of the really good features about it is it's not just autodesk related products too right you're able to use bim track across a few different product lines is that correct Absolutely. And it, it was founded on OpenBIM. So when you use the viewer, it uses IFCs, it uses BCF. Um, and while we do certainly have add-ins for Autodesk products, we also have add-ins for, for Trimble and Tecla and, you know, the Celebri, a, a whole wide gamut of projects for that exact reason. We want it to be, um, you know, as software agnostic as possible and understanding that in the global arena that we're all in now working that you know on one project you may be working with people that are using navisworks the next project working with somebody that's using Celebri. uh you have people that like to use enscape for the rendering and then we get into you know just you know archicad on the next project so to be able to have one platform that ties into so many it just makes your life so much easier that you're not relearning a different workflow every time yeah that's a that's a huge help so i know autodesk has brought out their construction cloud recently um so how is how's is bimtrack working with the new construction cloud uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the the construction cloud, a formerly BIM 360, formerly something before that. <laughs> um, there's, it's sometimes hard to keep up with with what they're doing. Yeah. But what we see a lot with the working with the construction cloud, or before that BIM 360 collaborate, or the old classic BIM 360 glue, for example. <laughs> yep. What a lot of people will do is they'll store their content inside of that. So they'll use that platform to store their, their federated models. They'll use that platform for the automatic class detection that you get with um, Coordinate or the new BIM 360 Pro mm -hmm. or just Coordinate. They'll use that functionality, but then they'll use BIMTRAC to actually track the issues because yeah. it ties into those levels of platforms. And what really becomes the, the handshake there is, is Navisworks in this example. Gotcha. So they can save all that information in the cloud. They can open those things they've been you know automatically clash detecting inside of Coordinate, and then they'll bring that into Navisworks, which allows them to do search sets or sorry selection sets and and get a little deeper into their their clash detection. Yeah. And then because the BIM track add-in ties into Navisworks, they'll use that to connect 
create and share out and assign all of the issues. So it's kind of like a parallel process. And the same thing if you're using design, except replace out, you know, coordinate for design. Yeah. Same workflow. Awesome. So yeah, it definitely adds a little bit more, um, more editability to the to the whole process, which is which is great. You know, having that freedom to combine and create an issue platform is is huge because I know the questions come up tons of times for myself. So, I mean, with all that, with all that moving forward, I'm pretty excited to see where BIMTrack's going to go. Is uh, what what's the future looking like for BIMTrack? Are there like is issues going to be the main focus going forward? Or, I mean, I, obviously. You can only tell me what you are allowed to tell, but it's up to you. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, that's a great question. And one of the things that we sort of pride ourselves on is, is sort of staying focused. We, we like to say laser focused on the issue platform yep. so that we're, we're not trying to get into being a common data environment. We're not, Good. you know, trying to get into to being a rendering platform, all these other things. What we really want to do is be that piece of the puzzle that does a really good job of taking care of your issues, whatever you call an issue, mm -hmm. uh, and then being able to tie into as many other platforms as we can. And what we're seeing is that as we're growing and as we're getting more add-ins and more integrations, that more people are coming on board to get into that. And so it's kind of that organic growth, you know, two tells four, tells eight, and sort of growing on. And as that happens, we're finding ourselves being able to tie into more and more workflows. And the example I always give of that is, is Enscape. Enscape's a great product. Yeah. Um, I heard someone say uh, a couple months ago that, you know, Enscape was that product that everybody heard about four years ago, and now it's that product that everyone has. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of made that leap from it's a nice thing to everyone has Enscape. Yep. And now that we have that ability to tie in with Enscape, it allows us to tie into other products that we can't access. Yep. So if you have Enscape, you can now create and track BIM track issues in Rhino and inside of SketchUp. We wow. don't tie into those products, but because Enscape does, it plays that bridge part. And now we've extended our ecosystem that much further because of that. That's so it's really that cool. that organic growth that makes it you know so awesome to be able to use it on where you need to and where you want to. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was. I was actually just going to bring up that exact same example. I was going to say like either Enscape or Formit or PointFuse. Like PointFuse does a really good job at making meshes from point clouds. But that's that's their focus is to take the whole point cloud process and make it more, you know, more refined and do a really good job at doing that. So, I mean, seeing that happen with any software is great instead of, you know, thinning yourself out too much and missing out on, you know, big ticket items. So, yeah, you know, yeah. exciting, exciting. I'm glad I'm glad to hear it. So, I mean, BIMTrack obviously has such massive potential i mean we're using it right now in a few projects at uh at the company i'm working for at the moment and i i lean on it heavily to hold people accountable for certain items it's it's really really great so um yeah i mean aside from bim track you know the future of future of bim is is pretty crazy i've seen the emergence of hundreds of prefab firms and building all kinds of crazy stuff. So a question for you is like, do you still see 2D drawings as a deliverable in the future? And if not, like, how do you think that's going to look? Like what, what do you think might change? 
So uh, do, do I see 2D deliverables in the future as that's what's going to be the deliverable, or do I think they'll still be around? Because um, <laughs> the, the answer differs. I think they're going to be around for a while because until the, the contracts and the legal obligations change yep. to allow something other than the 2D uh, drawings to be the documented record, we're, we're going to be stuck with them. Yeah. I, I think that there's the possibility in the future that we rely on them less and less. And mm -hmm. so we have things to be able to improve the functionality of creating better documents from the model yep. and to be able to view the model easier while we're on the field so that we can, you know, go into the model, we can zoom in, find a dimension and pick that. And as that becomes easier, as we have to spend less time actually documenting, I just made up that word here, I love that documenting word. <laughs> the, the, the model, the more we can easily pull information we need off of the model the sooner we'll start getting there. And I think it's really going to be a case of a few brave firms and GCs and owners that say, we are going to use the model and they start actually doing it. Yeah. And slowly we'll see that the change way, but I don't think that we're going to get the all clear to use the model before people are actually doing it. I think we're going to have to do it the other way. Yeah. It's so we've, we've been having this discussion, you know, quite a bit in the background of the industry and talking about when, when the industry starts creating this, globalized assemblies standard or like variations of assembly groupings and they just become you know 3d snapping blocks essentially or more so like attached with specs and uh, estimates and all that stuff and then they just come in as like an ikea flipbook set that you just kind of say okay part a this wall assembly has to go to part b it's interesting so we've it's a it's a big shift for sure but uh, i guess the um really interesting one that we've been talking about quite a bit recently is augmented reality we're seeing you know massive signs we've already seen it in like facebook we've seen the uh project uh project ra i believe the uh the glasses and all the different things happening with magic leaf so with that happening the discussion we're having is do you see a large impact on renovations with augmented reality like you know in ready player one they have these old rundown buildings but they just cover it with augmented solutions to make it look crazy. Hey, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I certainly think that we're going to get to the stage where augmented reality kind of outplays virtual reality. And we, you know, we go into that, that mixed reality or extended reality where we have the ability to do both. Um, but I certainly see for the construction industry that augmented reality is the the way of the future mm -hmm. being able to do like we mentioned you know maybe they can pull up the model on their their hololens two or maybe in the future three or five or seven or whatever we're working on yeah. uh and, you know and they're able to pull up the model and see it and get information off of that so we don't need to rely on the plans and usually when we get into things like uh you know renovations and not not building big industrial buildings it takes a little longer to get there but I think it's one of those things where technology will start giving the small guy, you know, the small teams, the small firms, an advantage. And those that, that adopt it and are a little more agile are going to be able to get more out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's a long way of saying is I absolutely think that augmented reality is going to make, you know, a big difference in that field. And that that's what's going to help make that, that game changer to get us off of plans and to get us in there. Yeah. And the, the idea of using old, old buildings that don't have to be, you know, completely designed but we just make them look like that because we're using them as a a virtual or, or an augmented reality i think maybe that opens up a whole new whole new business for interior designers um they, they become coders so not only are architects learning to code so are our interior designers so they can design this shell that just changes 
for the need. What kind of party are we having today? Well, we'll put on the augmented reality yeah. switch for a graduation or a wedding or a dance party or whatever. I think I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking about it, like how there's going to be um, a, a new wave of jobs opening up for what we're calling experience architects, where individuals are taking a, like say for instance, the Google AR cloud and they're attaching cloud points to the front face of a building and anchoring it. And then they take back the cloud scan that they have and design a whole augmented experience around, let's say a um, car dealership. And then as you put on your glasses, you drive into a car dealership parking lot to go pick up your brand new car. And then there's tunnels happening and all kinds of crazy things popping up and you're going to pick up your car and then it just highlights it and do some crazy things. So like the future is kind of crazy. I mean, we'll have the ability to take the person's storefront and expand it out like 10 feet out off the front face of the building and show the latest, you know, meals and deals and you know, tied into Google when you go to search for your destination. It's craziness what's happening. And I'm interested to see where it's going to go. Um, definitely interested to be a part of it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. It, it's going to be nuts. Do, do you see it being a an all or nothing? Or do you think it'll start with sort of a hybrid? Like you mentioned, though, the first 10 feet of a building is constantly changing. And then when you walk into the back, it's, you know, <laughs> Uh, old school stock and in, in store. Well, it's in, like this is the this is the crux, I guess. I we've been having this discussion with malls and whatnot about how the experience would be and how you would create a core experience and then individualize tenant experiences. So, for instance, like walking into a mall, the core experience would be you walk in and in the food court during you know Christmas shopping time, you see a santa and his reindeer flying overhead in the uh in the open court and like just creating like an interactive experience while you've got your glasses on and you know it's starting as a trickle so it starts with the cell phone and then the same technology from the cell phone will move into the glasses and then you know from there it gets more tied in but it the biggest part that we've seen and had the conversation with a, a few ar developers is um legalities with distraction so you know when to turn it off and when to not have something pop out and scare you while you're driving you know fender into somebody so yeah it's fine line yeah so it'll be interesting to see where it goes there's a lot of companies that are building up the tech behind it and i think it's interesting to see where it'll happen and who knows with bim track you know we're going to be seeing those issues popping up on site in those ar goggles and you know, with the, who, what was the name of the company that was at AU 2015? Um, it's escaping me right now. They made a like fully integrated construction helmet with the AR override. Yes. And they're, they're no longer around and yep. the name is, I'm, it's blanking me now as well, which is, which is sad because it was this great technology. It, it came was. into place at, it lost its funding and then then it, then it disappeared. Yeah. Um, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and oh. the name escapes me now too. It was great. I, they had everything going in the right direction, and uh, you know had the chance. Like it was a full full safety helmet, and I think um, Hololens actually has a very similar application as well. But but you know being able to integrate you know your issues into into the hard hat 
so that we can identify like that shouldn't be there and then relay that back to the team uh, that's that's huge so so yeah you know um, if you for the viewers that are listening if you haven't had the chance make sure to go check out Bimsider and you know Carl Storms has done a great job building up this uh, amazing track of information for uh, for his Bimsider page and I believe pod- podcast too that's correct yep so check it out he um and one of his 20 presentations during the Autodesk University every year, <laughs> which I always look forward to. Do you have any big plans for presentations coming out this year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's just so different because uh, last year, at least, we were sort of applying for the all the, the events in the standard way before things all changed. Uh, and this year, we, we're not really sure what's what's happening or what's going to be. So it's it's been a little bit different. But uh, I'm certainly uh, itching to uh, <laughs> to get out there and to, and, and to start speaking again. So yeah. um, if, if there's an opportunity, I, I'm going to put in my one or 25 submissions to, to be there for sure. <laughs> Well, regardless, I'm sure we're all looking forward to it. Well, Carl, you know, that's it for me. Tons of great questions. And thank you very much for uh, for joining on the channel. Uh, if you guys want to uh, check out some more of the great content we have coming up for BuckFim, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel or check it out on your favorite podcast. We'll be hitting every Tuesday and Thursday at, at lunch. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Carl, for j- jumping online. Awesome. Thanks for letting me be here. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. For the meantime, keep on bimming. Take care.